Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Hollywood Matt Connolly. Welcome to the AWE podcast with the double biceps. There it is in play. There it is. It's a legal requirement every single time we appear on camera. Has to be done, and it has been done. The lawyers are satisfied. They've checked the box. The esteemed gentleman sitting to my left, but you're right. It is, in fact, the co-pilot, co-founder, co-breather of air, co-wearer of clothes in this very room. It is, in fact, the king of sting, the master of disaster, the count of Monte Cristo, Thunderlips, the ultimate male. It is the winner of the Dave Stockbridge of the Year Award. Uh, he's put his nomination in already for this year. It's uh, a finally a three-horse race, I think, mm. uh, between you and a couple of others. Yeah. Uh, it is decided by your mother. So, well, you say so you might have some home court advantage there, but Maybe. it is Dave Dave Stockbridge. Stockbridge, welcome to your own show. Well, thank you very much for this very very warm introduction. As always, Hollywood Matt Connolly, and of course, we've got ourselves a very very special guest. I'm so, excited about this. Uh, Todd Hutchins is uh, well. It, uh, if we had to go through all the former titles, we'd be here for another two hours. But uh, for those that are fans of arm wrestling, they of course know the man on screen. So, Todd Hutchins, thanks so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Well, mate, um, it's a it's an absolute joy to have you part of the AWE card. I know we tried this a, a little while ago, and there was a, an incident. There was speculation a snowmobile was involved. Maybe I made the snowmobile bit up, but there was a, there was some uh, some speculation there. So, uh, so what what happened uh, that that stopped you from jumping on the plane last time? It was, I think, I was supposed to get on a plane Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning, like 6 a.m., and the airport's like two hours from here. So Tuesday evening, I'm running around trying to take care of all the stuff you got to do before you leave for a week. Mm -hmm. And part of it was I had to run a bunch of corn down to a feeder, and I was on an ATV. And I wasn't going very fast, but as I was coming back, and I'm still wearing my, I'm still wearing the clothes I'm going to get on the train with. So I got like my church shoes on, nice pants, a nice shirt. And that ATV flipped over oh. and uh, I got, my boot got caught in the, the pedal of it. The handles came over and like smashed me in the left hand and then hit me in between the belly button and the fun parts. Mm. And then we slid down this hill and now the ATV in the throttle, the, AT, the throttle on ATV is a thumb. It got like pushed on full blast. So this oh. thing's just angry. <laughs> it's leaking <laughs> Asshole, and I'm still sliding down this hill. You know? Oh, God. this is worse than the we, snowmobile we created. This is, yeah. <laughs> this isn't an so, ATV, it's an environmental disaster at this point. Yeah, <laughs> and I got it right, but I couldn't get it back to the trail. So, ran to the store, bought like a rope and a come along, and uh, bought some snatch. And I was able to winch it part of the way onto the trail, I still couldn't get it all the way up to where it was. So I was going to do that in the morning. And my, imagine my hands just using side up. pressure, dragging it up the hill. <laughs> my hands started swelling. My belly started, but I still thought I was getting on the plane at this time. So went, went to bed at like 10 o'clock, went to bed at like nine o'clock at 10 o'clock. I told my girlfriend, I said, look, I think I got to go to the hospital, man. There's like some stuff in inside me not right to the hospital and they kept me for two nights you know wow. 
I still thought even even when I even though I stayed the first night in the hotel in the hospital, I still thought in the morning I go, you know what? If we get out of here at four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> we can still make that airplane. And by this time, my hands swelled up like I'm allergic to bee stings. Oh, the doc God. said, you're not getting out of this bed. You know? like, this is fine. I'm already going up against Ryan Bowen. It should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> they were talking about amputating my left hand. What? <laughs> oh, wow. I said, I, that. I go, don't do that. I'm kind of partial to it. I mean, you know, just don't. <laughs> Should I still Because what happens is. It's called wow. compartment system, but if you're bleeding internally, if you're bleeding internally, like on your leg or your chest or even your arm, your body can swell up and that blood can pull up. It doesn't really cause a problem. That's what was happening. It turns black and it's ugly and it's nasty. But in your hand, as that bleeding goes and it, it can't drain out through your wrist, so it starts mm. squeezing everything in your hand. And pretty soon you'll lose circulation. So now the tendons are being starved, they're being starved. You know, I couldn't move my hand. You go numb and it's basically, it would be like just chop cutting the circulation off to your hand. So they said, you might lose that hand. We might have to like go in there and like cut holes in it and drain that stuff out. I mean, and I'm saying, well, happen. Let's not talk about it. Let's just, let's just get going because you know, doctor, (laughs) I still got a plane to catch. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. That's oh, that's so, so much worse than we heard. We didn't hear any of that side of it. That's yeah, that's uh, it was almost feel bad about joking about it now. <laughs> this was a serious mental incident. Yeah. So no, they I was there um for three days. They put all kinds of drugs on me. They just watched it. Several specialists came in. As the swelling started going, of course, I had to ice it and I had to hold it up and keep working it. So I'm thinking, oh, I know this from dealing with arm pumps. So it's the same thing. It's all about getting that that fluid out of your arm. Um, the coolest thing, though, was like the last day when I finally got discharged. And since I was in the hospital, you know, and I didn't cancel my Oh. First, flights to Australia have gotten crazy expensive. Okay. Yes. Yeah. The last time I went to Australia, my ticket was like eleven hundred bucks. These tickets were twenty two hundred dollars. The tickets wow. today are even more than that. But yeah. and of course I didn't cancel. So the airline says, Well, you just lost that. Those are non-refundable tickets, you know, but oh. we worked something out. But anyways, so the last day when I finally got discharged, I had my nurse was um she was asian i think she was vietnamese but i don't know she could have been she could have been korean i can't i i can't tell the difference and it, it seems rude to ask all i know is she's like i got trophies where the person on the trophy is bigger than what my nurse was you know and, she's <laughs> and she goes she says you have an incredibly high tolerance for pain she says i never seen anybody in the hospital hurt like you that never asked for pain meds Wow. And I go, could you say that to my phone so I have a recording? <laughs> <laughs> say it again, just how you just said it. It's <laughs> going live. I didn't have a witness. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know, but 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and of course, on that occasion, you, you were going to be our main event against Ryan Blue Bowen. And, uh, and on this occasion, you're up against the beast, Mataringi Heta Morris um, for the... Mataringi. 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 Okay. Yeah. I've been trying to pronounce it correctly, and I cannot read that and say it correctly. So I will never no, say that. None of us can. <laughs> we don't know if we're saying it right. We just say it fast. We, we say no. it very quickly and hope no, that it's not what, That's what he's being called it from now on. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to default to the beast if in doubt. Um, so, uh, but uh, so obviously, uh, diff- it, it, uh, well, I shouldn't say obviously. Uh, is there different preparation? Does your preparation change depending on your opponent, um, or uh, uh, do you just have that same prep regardless? Well, no, I mean, it's, um, the prep's different for him because he's more of a, he's a taller and he's a top roller, but to be fair, it was different. It was going to be different anyways, because the only reason why I was supposed to pull Ryan Bowen was the real guy canceled and then plan B canceled and then plan C and plan C's uncle. And I think Ryan just says, you know what, if Todd's free, he'll come, you know, so I think Ryan just was like, I think. I think I was just at the end of Ryan Bowen's like Rolodex. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you, you were under the list of, oh, I don't know if he would actually accept it. Uh, like, let's just try anyway. I think I was in Montana pulling an event, or I was either in Montana pulling or on my way to Montana when he called. So it was like real short notice and but i i mean me and me and ryan go way back i would have helped him out anyway and actually actually after i accepted it i go you know what here's a more famous person you should pull this guy will really make you some money um i assume ryan called him and was just gonna like renege on me and the guy declined i'm not exactly sure what happened but <laughs> well, we didn't hear any more well, about it. I, so I, I assume you stopped yeah. at you. So- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well, in the world of arm wrestling, I mean, you are a superstar and you've been at the top, the elite, for oh, well over a decade. And, mm. and uh, it's amazing for us to have you on the show. It's a, it's a real privilege. It <laughs> this is, is like really exciting. Uh, this is 7, 7 a.m. in the morning for us. So it was like a. I've literally just come straight from <laughs> working all night. Matt, Matt hasn't slept like, since Tuesday. And, and all night I'm like, oh, I get to talk to Todd in the morning. This is going to be fun. Well, we're yeah. about the same because I'm at the end of my work day too. So we're at the like the same spot in our work schedule. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. after this, I'm going to bed. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and, and what do you do normally for, for work? I'm an engineer. Okay. Yep. And yeah. it, it uh, it just, it's snowmobiles mainly. <laughs> Snowmobile repairs. <laughs> and, I, uh, I typically design or manufacture, or I'm currently doing quality work. So ensuring the design, the manufacturing is uh, copacetic, but basically machine. I build machines for a living. So and, and how, how flexible has your work been with respect to your arm wrestling career? Uh, it, it it actually works out well. I get adequate time off, and I can I can go on short notice. Mm-hmm. And most events are on weekends anyway, so I don't really consume a lot of them. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really interested. And there's for... some flex time in it. You know, if I work over, I get a little extra time off. So. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so reasonably No, flexible. it's worked out. It ain't the sweet deal John's got, but it's pretty cool. 
<laughs> it's for some people, you know, the uh, the challenges of balancing a, a job and and the potential of their arm wrestling career is uh, uh, is really difficult and, um, and 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 a hard thing for a lot of people to address. They almost feel like they've got to go all in and in the arm wrestling, or they're not going to reach their full potential. Uh, from from your perspective, that's exactly I'm, true for everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 from from your perspective. Uh, I guess uh, operating at that that highest level of the sport for such a long time now, you've really seen the sport transform over the last four or five years from being just that you know the backyard in the pubs and and uh, and and just uh, people basically mucking around to uh, and, and quite a collegial uh, tight community to uh, to this rapid expansion in popularity in the sport as it um, and and uh, new promotions are emerging. Do do you see a point where somebody of, of your caliber would be able to step back from full-time work and just dedicate themselves to arm wrestling in the next few years? Uh, yes. I don't think, I mean, I certainly won't be able to, but the expansion and transformation of the sport start just over the last uh, 20 years, you know, it's progressively getting bigger and it's getting bigger faster. So at this trajectory, probably within 10 years, it'll look completely different. You won't have any 40-year-olds at a competitive level probably in 10 years. I mean, it's uh, because I started in 2000, and it was a tournament that gave away 100 bucks was rare. And if you held one, there'd be 40 people in that class to where there's a lot of people making, I mean, probably 20% of my taxable income is arm wrestling, mm-hmm. you know, which is way more than, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not as much as the, the super pros, you know, Devin and John and, you know, Jerry Cataret and those guys, but it's mm-hmm. way more than anything I ever imagined when I started. Yeah. And the proliferation of leagues and stuff like AWE, like East first West, like King of the table. And it can just, it keep, it can just keep expanding no, I think this will be like a legit, you know, I don't think it'll ever be like a high school collegiate type sport. Not in my country, just because we have so many anyways. Yeah. But I think it'll be more like world's strongest man type stuff. I think people will be able to make like, not just a living, but like a, maybe not like a Pearl Jam, Lincoln Park, Rockstar living, but like somebody yeah. who travels around like within 800 miles type living, you know, like yeah. I got a few albums out and I got like fans and stuff. So, yeah. you know, I think, I think you definitely make, you know, a, a, a pretty good living at it, you know. It, well, it was an interesting observation there. You were saying that you feel like in ten years' time there won't be as many guys in their forties and fifties that are uh, that that are uh, occupying that elite elite level. And um, what do you feel that might be? Is it just because those young guys are getting stronger so much more quickly and accruing that technical knowledge because of the the amount of competition that's now around them, or just because of the guidance from the last generation? I, I'm going to back away from forty. But I'm going to say, say like 50, only because I think arm wrestling is very close to like world's strongest man or weightlifting as far as absolute full black, you know, like the load you put on your body. And yep. a 40 year old power lifter or a 40 year old Olympic weightlifter isn't old because they've had a lot of time to put muscle and bone into that structure. Yeah. But 
a 50-year-old world's strongest man or a 50-year-old Olympic lifter or a 50-year-old power lifter, that's a little more, you know. So I think mm. in your 40s, I think you'll still be plenty strong enough. But there's also these just wicked fast um, reactionary type, kinetic type arm wrestlers. And yeah. I don't I don't see a lot of those super fast guys in their you know, once you got 40 candles on your birthday cake, people <laughs> stop talking about how fast you are. They talk, about <laughs> they talk about your YouTube clicks, you know, they talk about a lot of things, but they never mention about wow, that guy's fast for all those birthday candles. <laughs> yeah, it is exciting to see this next generation of arm wrestling, the, the people that are finding the sport and most of the people that, that we sort of come across that come to our arm wrestling clubs or to our events, um, they've found the sport through through YouTube, through Devin Lerat, uh, John Brzezink. You know, they've been watching those things, the, the old um, uh, wow sort of events. Uh, with yourself, you were on there as well. And uh, it's, it's fun to see that, you know, you've got these guys that between 18 and 30 that have they've discovered the sport and then it's like, okay, out of this group of people that are finding it, there is a few hidden gems here and there that that can be the next superstars. And we we might have found one with uh, a Bowman, who's been training with Ryan Bowen, and he will be on the AWE card as well. Nineteen years old, and and already like making it very difficult for Ryan in the training room, and he's taking on Mario and Marcus, who's one of the top ten in Australia. For his first match. <laughs> and, and, and I guess there's a classic case of a young man who uh, had a discipline. Well, it, uh, rugby was his sport mm. and he came to Australia to hopefully play professionally and, and has now found his way into arm wrestling and now sees a pathway to become a professional arm wrestler one day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that was never really an option even maybe five years ago. But now it's like, you know, we're seeing these organisations coming up like ourselves with the AWE, Arm Gods and obviously East versus West and you've got King of the Table and uh, Monster Factory and, and all these places that are putting on events and they're of that caliber that you can start to rise and make this a thing. Like it's a, it's a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's getting less and less of the people that I, when I say, oh, you know, I do arm wrestling or I run an arm wrestling club, less and less of people that say oh is that, is that a thing is that a real thing is that a sport yeah there's definitely <laughs> definitely awareness now and 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 now uh, you're looking over your shoulder there seems to be like the, a lot of younger guys entering the sport and then there's this uh this top echelon of elite athletes that are kind of getting in their 40s and their in their 50s who do you who do you see in the middle ground there as uh, some of the emerging superstars that might you know uh, i guess take up some of the 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 vacuum that's left um, as some of the uh, the big names of the sport naturally retire and uh, and decide to call it a day. Um, I don't. I mean, I think in my country, I think Corey West for sure. Um, we follow super heavyweights here, so you know most of our most of our famous people are going to be super heavy. Two hundred kilos of Corey West to yeah. follow. Yeah, he just, he just qualifies for super heavyweight. Just, just great, only just. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's weird because people will come in and, it, like in my country, you got to stay in it for a while, you know, because it takes a while to get recognized before you start traveling. Um. Let me think. Paul Lynn, for sure, if we're looking at a middleweight guy, yeah. he's got a lot of time and, and potential in front of him. Um, there's 
I, I've never met him, but we got a guy, and I'm going to probably pronounce his name wrong. His name's Adam Warazinski. He's out of South Carolina. I don't know him too well. He's been at uh, East First West a few times, never when I'm there. I'm only saying he's got potential because he's starting out in the same club I started in. All right. Uh-huh. Because I started in the South Carolina club. So if they do to him what they did to me, <laughs> plus he's got the benefit of everybody else, he should be a superstar, you know? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But you're, you're, I just want to talk about your style for a second because you have a very unique sort of a, a very uh, specific characteristic with the way that you pull. And it seems to be that that side, the side pressure king <laughs> is the Tonzilla. Uh, and it, it's almost like you could say, I don't care what happens with my hand and wrist. I'm going to the pin pad no matter what. Uh, and you see so many matches where you've just completely just gone straight sideways uh, and just driven to the pad uh, for a victory, which is almost the first thing you told people not to do. Yeah. So, <laughs> so was that a, a, just a natural disposition to move in that, in that shape or, or was that something that you kind of – landed upon because you knew that that was going to be difficult for for other for opponents to deal with uh in my case it was something i purposely because i started i started at 35 Mm. so i'm thinking i had five years in and the last thing i could do was take advice from all these people who had been arm wrestling for 20 years (laughs) because if i did what they did i wouldn't be as good as them for another 20 years and i had five yeah okay so I and then I was kind of consciously thinking, well, you got to go sideways to win. You can have all kinds of hand position and power and everything else, but you never pin anybody unless you go sideways. Mm. I was fortunate enough to land in a high level powerlifting gym with a very renowned powerlifter that owned it that was st- currently competing, you know. And you'd walk around his gym and you'd, you'd, see, you'd see his world records posted, you know, mm. and by date. And that kept getting higher. And that was the first time that it clicked to me that there are people out there that actually measure how strong they are in the time when they hit new peaks. Mm. So at the time, most arm wrestlers were doing lots of table time where you can't really control the volume of the intensity or all their weight training was all volume based. It was all based on hundreds of reps or 10 minutes of pulling. Whereas the power lifters are saying maximum effort one time. Now mm. you know how strong you are and just keep getting stronger. Mm. Your other comment is it's not that rare. It's becoming more and more popular now that the world is no longer infatuated with that goofy King's Moose stuff. And it's about <laughs> time we moved on from that. So. <laughs> Gabby, Gabby will pull, Gabby will blast full on sideways without her hand. Um, you'll see some match with, uh, with Artem Taranenko doing the same thing. And when John was making his comeback, you saw his hand kind of compromised in the Paul Lynn match and the Chant Shaw match, mm. you know. And a younger John never lost his hand. Mm. You know, okay. But when John was on his comeback, you know, he was probably still reminiscing about his couch, but he lost his hand and you're seeing him pull Paul in over. And I, and that was the scariest thing I ever saw. I go, Oh shit. If John's doing that, nobody can beat him. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. You know, because it used to be John would win all the time and he would lose trying to win. As soon as John goes to, all right, well, if I can't win, I'm just going to not lose. 
Now you can't beat him, right? People are going to win or not lose. And I go, oh man, that's that's like that's unfor- that's unbeatable. That combination. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and is it at all a surprise to you now that we're we're seeing that? Uh, I guess that generation of of athletes that you've kind of come up with that, and in in uh, in John's case, uh, you know, near nearing sixty and still competing at that high level. And does that kind of adjust your own expectations about the longevity of your career? It did, but I, but I, uh, I started giving up when, when I first heard, when I first started realizing that power lifters and strong men were competing into their forties, I kind of adapted it to then, but I always only ever had a, uh, long-term plans, but short-term expectations. Mm-hmm. So I was always only looking like a year or two out. And if it worked out, I'd go another year. I mean, I quit two or three times, <laughs> you know, it's not like, I mean, had I had I had the foresight in 2000 and said, wow, you might be doing this for 25 years, I would have completely changed the first five to 10 years of what I did. You know what I yep. mean? <laughs> I wouldn't have started traveling so soon. I wouldn't, you know, I would have had an actual progression, you know, laid out. I would have had a long-term thing, but, you know. And you are You don't know what you don't know, and you, you just play the cards you got. Do you, do, you, do you perceive maybe a time because a lot of these, um, a lot of these big names are, of course, got such a huge following now, thanks to thanks to social media and YouTube, um, that uh, there might just be like there is in bodybuilding um, or, or powerlifting a masters category that emerges, so uh, everybody can see their their favorite arm wrestlers still being competitive, but uh, maybe just not at the elite level anymore. Only if it pays money. I, 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 I've never made any – I am a professional arm wrestler, okay? I am not seeking fame or glory. So uh, they, they've had master's categories and all that stuff ever since I've been in it. I've only been pulling money tournaments and money events for a long time. I, um, if, you, if you're trying to be famous or if you're trying to win some certain victory – it takes a whole lot of mental gymnastics, you know, to keep yourself in the game and motivated. Mm. But if you start, if you start out trying to be excellent and then you have a business model where you, you are doing it professional, you can pursue excellence and you can pursue lucrative deals. It just simplifies everything, right? It takes a lot of ego out of it. Mm. It takes the worries and the fight about weight classes, whether or not the ref screwed you, whether or not they're going to change the tables every single year, the WAL holds an event, mm. whether or not they're going to do stuff like that. You know, it just makes arm wrestling fun and acceptable. And it just makes it a lot easier to, there's enough city and problems to solve in the sport the way it is. You don't have to heap a bunch of ego and self-esteem problems into it, you know? So just, do yourself a favor and enjoy it. Figure out a path forward where you're going to enjoy it, and then you can do it for decades. You know what I mean? When when you were coming up in the sport, did you have anybody that you looked at and said, "That's that's somebody I want to emulate," or "That's a, an idol for me"? In in I want to do what they're doing and 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 sort of follow their path. I was a couple of years into it before I realized John Brzezink was a real person. Okay. I had heard about this guy and I didn't believe that there was a 215 pound man who was the greatest in the world. I just thought people were just liars, you know? (laughs) And 
I'm from the state where Ted Nugent is, and he's probably the closest thing to a superhero that the earth has ever seen. And I didn't believe John Razink was real. (laughs) Other than that, I, as as far as a Cobra Rhodes also lived around the area that I did. And I'd heard rumors and stories about him. Didn't quite believe them either, you know. (laughs) But meeting John was transformative because there was a no-nonsense guy who had his shit together. You know what I'm saying? You know, he didn't – He, the guy has, like, zero ego problems. You know, he knows where he's at. It doesn't bother him when he loses. He doesn't – and I've always just been truly – Truly amazed at the way John conducted himself, the way Ron Bath conducted himself. Um, but as far as following their careers, I always had to like shortcut it, you know, because the, the the best people in the sport always had, you know, decades of experience and like a year or two into it. So I always had to like, I couldn't cut corners, but I had to find a different path that worked for me. <laughs> Do you remember the first time that you met John and all got on the table with him? The first time I met him was at the was at a Harley pull, and my youngest kid was maybe like this tall, and I got pictures of John holding him, Dave Patton holding him, Cobra Rhodes holding him, <laughs> Travis Bajent beat Eric Wafell left-handed. John won the Harley Davidson. My first two matches were Cobra Rhodes and Kenny Smith, wow. right? I had cut from like 190 pounds down to 176 because I figured that would increase my chances of winning the Harley pull my first year out. <laughs> I was out in two, you know. I took the whole <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I mean, it was such an and you know, you're constantly when you're starting out, you're constantly seeing levels to the sport. You see your practice people, then you go to a real tournament and you get smacked around, then you go to real then when you meet like world elite people you go at first you go there's no way i can achieve that but then when you think about it you go holy smokes man there are whole entire like universes out there that i didn't even know existed you know so it's an eye-opener and that and that part of it's it it's the most fun full-fledged depression can ever be when everybody's (laughs) you're just getting motivated to keep doing it that should be the tagline for arm wrestling as a sport. The most fun that depression can be. <laughs> I, I also like the one that it only hurts for the first 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and now with your, your conditioning. So let's say you, you're coming over, you're, you're arm wrestling. Uh, Madaringi, Hesham Morris, uh, 100, he's up to 170 kilos. So he's going five kilos since AWE won. So, um, and, uh, I've seen bigger. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> we'll call him West. There's, uh, how long does it take for you to be able to recover and get back to normal training after you, you've had a serious pull and a, a super match at that level? A lot longer now. It used to not, it used to be measured in days. Now mm. it's, it's, it's a week or so. But yeah. some of that might just be that people are better now, you know, because yeah. when I was recovering in days, the whole sport was at a lower level. Mm. You know? So yes, I'm older, but yes, the sport's a lot harder, you know? Yeah. So there's a balance between those two. I mean, the arm wrestlers today, the top people today 
are way better than the top people were when I started, you know, that, well, not the individuals. And I'm not saying like Levon is that much better than the prime Simplinkoff or the prime Kush car or the prime Vavoda, but the depth of every class is certainly higher than it, than it's ever been, you know, yeah. The, the the peak people might be about the same over the last 20 years, but where you used to have one person and then everybody else was like this far below them. Mm. Now you have this person and you have a bunch of people like close to them. Yeah. So like there's a just a lot better tail, tailing mm. out there now than what there used to be. And that might be part of the recovery times going, you know, you recover a lot more from a 300 pound bench than you do from a 600 pound bench. Well, a 300 pound bench used to be respectable, you know, and now people laugh at your 500 pound bench. Not that I've ever benched 400 myself, you know, so I'm just, I assume a 500 pound bench would be respectable. I wouldn't know. I've never been 400. So, And, and, and going back even like 10 years, it was pretty rare to see somebody over, you know, 150 kilos. That was, you know, a muscular 150 kilos, for instance. And and yeah, now be, you're starting to see some of these, uh, these uh, uh, top echelon of, of, of athletes kind of floating around that type of figure yeah i remember 150 mm. kilos is like 330 pounds i remember the first tournament where i saw a 400 pound arm wrestler wow and i was there with bob brown and sean it was sean latimer standing there talking to three or four people and i go bob there's three or four people there that are over 400 pounds he goes oh yeah easily all three of those guys are over three four hundred wow wow Oh, and I'd never oh. seen a 300 pounder, you know, 300 pounds used to be rare. Now there's several 400 pound people in one tournament. They're morphing into gorillas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, it's exciting to me that they're choosing arm wrestling as their sport. You know, if they've got the opportunity, if they've got that physicality, you know, you would think they're probably going for American football or they're probably going, you know, if they're tall, maybe they're looking at the basketball side of things. Um, but they're like, no, I'm, arm wrestling's for me, you know, that's where my, that's where my thing is. And then it's like, Oh, awesome. It's so cool that these guys, they have the other options, but they've chosen arm wrestling because they love it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And, and you're getting those, uh, those crossover personalities like Larry wheels, for instance, who've got a huge following online, you know, they're, they're great at any number of disciplines, but very fortunately for the sport of arm wrestling, they've also uh, chosen to pursue, uh, pursue the sport and uh, bring uh, loads of attention to it as a result. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sports, like I said, it's growing, it's getting bigger, and it's getting bigger faster, you know. Mm. So we're nowhere near plateauing out. You know? Absolutely. What uh, Ryan was telling us about your sort of warm-up routine, which I thought was quite interesting, um, before a match that you would do a couple of almost – 90% effort, <laughs> uh, one rep max kind of things. Like, oh, yeah. and then you would treat the match as your, as your like official one RM. <laughs> yeah, I would. Yeah. I, I mean, my, I, myself, it takes me about an hour to warm up and I can't, and, uh, you know, I can't hit 90 plus 95% without a 60, a 70 and 80 to 90 warm up. You know, I can't do, like 30 reps at 40% and then go out and hit a 97. I mean, I know that myself. So yeah, about a, about 45 minutes, about 45 minutes out from a match, I'm pulling about as hard as I possibly can. Not, not against a person, but against bands and stuff. I'm definitely, because your brain's got to, 
find all those neurons and all those connections to fire all that stuff, you know? So I want to make sure my brain's so you, got plenty of time to pull out the GPS and the map and make sure it plugs all the wires into all the right you know, the holes, you know what I mean? So you're lighting up the neuropathways. So you, 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 you're in preparation for that moment. Yeah. That's what uh, I uh, meant to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, well it's a, uh, and, and that's quite counterintuitive. Is that something that you uh, picked up from uh, from the powerlifters? Because you you'll see that in powerlifting competitions where people will edge closer and closer to a, to a PB or to their record, and then they'll one rep, and and then that'll be that. But uh, uh, it, it sounds like a, a very similar progression in a way of preparing to what a powerlifter would do. It it works for me because a lot of times, and this happens so often, you can count on it. A lot of times I will fail at a PR two or three times. Well, not three times. I'll fail at a PR one or two times. And then with 20 or 20 plus minutes rest, hit it. And then hit another one higher than that. So I know mm. myself training to failure and then resting fires me up to go another notch higher. And I saw one of the world's strongest men competitions where Eddie Hall was like commentating and they were like going after deadlifting or something. And Eddie Hall laid it out. He goes, I think someone's going to deadlift, pick a number, 1,200 pounds. But first you're going to see, you know, 1,100, 1,150, then 1,200, you know. Mm-hmm. So I go, oh, yeah, that's kind of what I do. And those, cause, so those guys are in the back room, you know, Lifting yeah. heavy weights, they only lift their, you know, the ones for show are out in front, but they're working just as hard in back where the audience can't see them. So that's the stuff I follow. I see a lot of famous people sitting in the audience, joking around, not doing shit before their match. They just walk up <laughs> and, and hit you hard. So I mean, it's it's we're not all on the same bus here. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but you you you've been um, you, you've iterated your methodology into uh, into courses. So if people are interested, they they can kind of pick up on some of these methods and techniques and uh, and and refine them under your tutelage and uh, and and see whether or not they do work for you. Because it it seems to me like there's a, there's there's a way and then there's very much your way which is off to the very much left field and um and so for people seeking that extra bit of uh, performance that they might not be getting through doing things the regular way uh, you've you've got an option there that uh, could very much help them reach their potential yeah i'm very honest how i train i put it out there i've been very consistent for I've been doing it for about 23 years. I've been doing this West side barbell stuff for about 20 and Mm -hmm. I've tweaked the tactics a little bit, but the strategy has been pretty much the same for about 20 years and it's, it's documented and it's out there. And if you ask me a question 15, 20 years ago and you ask me today, I probably, if it's training related for the most part, it's going to be the same. It'll be, it'll be changed a little bit about because we now know more about, rehab we know a little bit more about um what exercises translate more to you know pronating or cupping and so actually cupping rising those those terms weren't even invented when i got started you know Mm -hmm. um you got a lot more equipment we got you know a lot more uh specialized equipment to train with so you know a lot of the tactics have changed a little bit but Mm. the basic strategy you know if you're getting stronger, add volume. If you're not getting stronger, change your routine and add volume. 
So that's pretty much the recipe. <laughs> <laughs> and and do, do you have any uh, favorite little toys or grips or handles or little novelty items that you've bought on Instagram? I'm, I'm a bit guilty of that myself. The little box arrives and my wife wonders what it is and it's like it's a gripzilla or something like that. Or you know, what are you doing with another one of these handles? They're just like the other ones you don't use. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, but that one might, might, might make me stronger. But do, do you have any of those little, uh, little novelty the only- items? Captured your imagination. The only store-bought handles I have were given to me. Almost all my equipment's homemade, you know. So I got homemade multi-spinners, homemade wrist wrenches. Um, I think the wrist wrench, probably more than anything else, elevated arm wrestling. I think the JM presses don't doesn't get enough credit, but those people who are doing JM presses are lifting a lot more and they're training harder, you know, because yeah. it, re- it, it rehabs that elbow quicker. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, all athletes will tell you this. You come back to fundamentals every once in a while. I'm I'm focusing a lot on reverse curls with a straight barbell. You know, so there's nothing. I mean, you can do that at Planet Fitness for crying out loud. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's a, a, a I'll say the JM presses. I reckon they're they're fantastic for elbow, uh, even for uh, people that are new to the sport that uh, are, are really suffering as a, as they're getting the, those joints conditioned. The the JM presses almost provides uh, instantaneous relief, and you know just a you know fifteen twenty minutes after uh, the day after, if you've done JM presses, I've found that you know I can get around, and that was something I, I learned from watching one of your training videos yeah. that popped up on YouTube, and uh, yeah. and it's, it's made a world of difference my ability to be able to get back on the table sooner it gives so you a lot of confidence in your elbow too when you're in a when you're in a funny match and you're you're hung out in a little unorthodox you go hey that elbow doesn't feel compromised at all <laughs> <laughs> which which is helpful if you're just going to go sideways from yes. there <laughs> <laughs> so there's courses that you're selling or people can get in touch with you for, for personal no, all my stuff's free it's on it's on youtube oh. Yeah. Wow, amazing. Yeah, giving back. Right. The first advice Ryan Bowen gave me on videos was give away your best stuff. All right. So I just give away everything. Give it all to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, just send it to me first and I'll review it. And <laughs> Although, it there be- is something I'm doing in practice now. And I'm not telling anybody about it yet because I want to do it for a year or so to make sure it works. Because I didn't really start hyping JM presses till I did them about nine to 10 months to make sure they were right. Because I don't want to go out there and say something. And then five years later, I make a video and I go, oh, yeah, that's all rubbish. Don't do that. So, I, I you know, <laughs> I, I want to do it for a while. But there's a practice technique that I might reveal next year that you guys are going to go. That's so obvious. Why did I invent that? <laughs> well, maybe you can tell us off air and we can <laughs> get, a, get a head start on everybody we, else. We won't record it or, or release it. We, 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 we are the weakest <laughs> men in arm wrestling, so we, 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 we're happy for any help that you might be able to provide. Um, so we're, um, uh, big card, AWE uh, 2, it's at the uh, at the Adelaide Oval. So, uh, and um, uh, 1st of July, if you're in the US and you're tuning into the pay-per-view, um, 2nd of July, if you happen to be uh, on this side of the world and buying tickets and want to be there in, in person, it's going to be held in an ISCA certified cage, um, which, uh, uh, as far as I'm aware, with the, uh, 
uh, only arm wrestling promotion in the world um, holding uh, holding their their uh, their event within an ISCA certified cage. And um, I, I don't know if that makes any difference to the arm wrestling action whatsoever, but it, it does look pretty cool. Yeah, it's got, um, a, it's got a <laughs> moat with crocodiles. And- We're working on the moat. Um, and uh, flames uh, and yeah. <laughs> barbed wire, electrified barbed wire. Yeah. <laughs> That's all coming. The pyrotechnics team are working on all of that right now. Um, but uh, AWE3 maybe. It actually sounds like something might happen to Arm God. So. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, uh, you, you, and you're up against um, Mataringi uh, Hes Morris for the Intercontinental Belt. Um, so, um, and... Uh, you, you were mentioning before you, your your preparation as you're coming into this event does vary a little depending on who your opponent is and um, and and how how's all the preparation been going in the lead up to the event so far? It's good, good. I feel good. I feel good where I'm at. I still got another three weeks or so, so uh, three or four weeks. I, I got to check my calendar, but no, it's, it's plenty of time to uh, get back in the groove and you know adjust adjust before I get there. And, and do, do, do you rest for a week or two before you uh, lean into It takes me 40 hours to get to Australia, so I'll train up until the day before I go on the airplane because just right. traveling forces me sedentary. And then when I, when I get to an event, I pretty much spend the whole time in the hotel room prior to the competition. So I get plenty of rest. Um, yeah. Just going, yeah, just training as hard as I can and then just going cold turkey because I usually end up with – two or three days before the match anyways. And that's, I, I can't imagine you need more than that. So. Yeah. It's funny. It's crazy. The time difference and everything. When I was booking the flights to get the guys over here with Jordan Sill and um, Artem Taranenko, obviously uh, from Florida and, um, Anyway, but, but trying to figure out which day they needed to leave so that they would get here in time. And it was like, okay, if they leave Wednesday, they get here Friday, but it's not Friday, it's Thursday. Because well, <laughs> you got to rely on Expedia to lay all that out for you because it tells yeah. you based on when you land. But it, it is confusing and, and you're scared to death to get it wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, you've, you've actually missed the event while you're in the air. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, one of the really cool things about uh, this AWE event is that the fans that do uh, happen to buy tickets and come along, um, one, they'll be uh, seated in the VIP section right beside the cage. So they'll be nice and close to the action and the athletes. But straight afterwards, we've got After Pool, which is uh, down the back of the room, overlooking the playing surface of the Adelaide Oval. And uh, if you are one of those uh, very fortunate VIP ticket holders, then you'll be able to come out the back with us and and uh, share the tables with some of the best arm wrestlers in the world and uh, certainly within the region and some of our AWE emerging superstars as well. So um, we would encourage anybody, as soon as those tickets go on sale next week, grab yourself one of those and uh, make sure that you're cage side, but more importantly, that you get the opportunity to shake this man's hand uh, in person um, yeah. because uh, uh, opportunities uh, to have Todd Hutchins in uh, Australia are few and far between. And so um, it could be a long time before we, we see, you, see you back here. Yeah, the amount of people that are like so excited that you're coming along, I can't believe Todd Hutchins is going to What's he going to Do you think I could get on the table with him afterwards? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> but yeah, it, there's very much excitement and hype and yeah we're very very happy to have you here as a a matter of fact i've got a feeling that it's your shirt that's located uh right behind us right now so i'm just oh is it the hutchings one i've got a feeling it is on the one that's hanging on the wall i've got a feeling 
Oh, yes. it's going to be funny if well, it isn't. Well, <laughs> <laughs> be, this was uh, this was meant to be your last shirt, so we do have a new shirt. We, it, you won't get the dusty one on the wall. <laughs> oh, I hope that it's go. not yours. There we go. Oh, it is. <laughs> oh, very nice. Very, very lucky. Ryan Bowen shirt. Last <laughs> that. Oh, but there you go. Mate. It's, it's all waiting for you here. Yeah. No, but the, the belt, the intercontinental belt. Uh, it's going to be uh, – I mean, that, that thing is amazing. We do new belts for every event, so you know, the, the current belt holder will be able to keep their belt forever. Um, yeah, so it doesn't – the title is the one that changes hands if you, if it does happen to change hands. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be July the 2nd here at Adelaide Oval, and the main event will be this esteemed gentleman on the screen here, Todd Hutchings, one of the greatest arm wrestlers in the world. And uh, an absolute privilege to have you here talking with us today. Yeah, thank you very much, Todd. And uh, we, we'll look forward to seeing you uh, over here in Adelaide. Thank you so much for uh, sparing your time and jumping onto the podcast and uh, spreading the word about AWE2. And we absolutely can't wait to see you uh, here in Australia, mate. And um, safe travels on this occasion. Maybe stay off the snowmobile. And um, it's not snowing over there at the moment, is it? No, we're okay. Uh, I think it was because your hype video for your match with Ryan, you, you, you were walking in the snow. And then I, I oh. heard there was an ATV accident. I just assumed a snowmobile. Dave, Dave doesn't know what an ATV is, and he's, his mind <laughs> created an ATV, which was a snowmobile. <laughs> that was the word association. And yeah. it just happened to pop up in conversation, and I just made myself look like more of an idiot. So, uh, <laughs> uh, But ladies and gentlemen, Todd Hutchings, uh, he'll be here for AWE2, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, seeing you there and shaking your hand in person then. I'm looking forward to it, boys. Ah. Great, mate. Thank you very much for joining us. Bye-bye. Right. See you, mate. There we go.